Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 277 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, back from his three-week suspension without pay, your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you, Jason? Well, I have a question. Let's hear it. Uh, I was suspended without pay. Was I supposed to be getting a paycheck? Oh, it's uh, it's in the mail. Uh huh. Uh huh. But, uh-huh, but uh-huh. you have to send it back now because uh, you were suspended without pay. Listen, you can't suspend me. <laughs> you might technically be in charge, but everybody knows who really runs the show here. Are you suggesting that you're the heart and soul of this uh, of this thing we've got going here? I'm not suggesting it. I'm stating it outright. Okay. Well, all right. I'll accept that. I'll accept that. All right. Well, you're back, though, and uh, I'm reinstating your privileges in full, and we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Reds. The Cincinnati Reds began the second half uh, not so well. It's not been great. Not so well. You know, uh, at the All-Star break, well, four and a half, five and a half out, and, you know, still, we got a chance here. we got a chance. They were four and a half out at the All-Star break. Listen, yeah. never like has have like a win or two. It's been a long time since one or two wins have mattered more. And the Reds are, if they, things continue tonight as they are trending, they're going to be two and six since the All-Star break. That's not the way we wanted it to go. It's, it's not great. But everyone's healthy and the Reds are ready to make an assault on the second half of the season, right? I mean, listen, here, like, I, I, it's been a rough season, and the Reds are testing even me right now. But, um, you know, I think. <laughs> exactly. They're, what do you say? This team yeah. is, uh, it's, it's kind of inexplicable. They're, they're really not bad. And they're more fun than, than they've been in past years. Everything we've said all year is true. But I don't know. Is it this franchise? Or, I mean. Are we snake no, bit? What's going on? This to just completely flummox me is the extent to which the problem is the offense. Yeah. Like, whoever, whoever would have guessed that? Never in a million years. I mean, that's what's crazy about this season. None of it makes sense. No, no. I mean, if you had told me that, you know, the starting pitching overhaul would make some improvements, but the Reds would end up losing a lot of games 64 or whatever, I would have believed you. But if you told me the amount of times that they would genuinely struggle to score runs, I just I would have been like, no, no way. This team's going to hit. Like if they don't do anything else, they're going to hit. Right? Yeah, yeah. If you all our one run losses are going to be three to two, and two to one, never would have believed it. Yeah. Oh. And again, everything that we've been saying all season long, I one hundred percent still believe. But what is starting to that worry me a little bit is the Reds are struggling and all of a sudden the injury bug is really starting to hit. And it's mostly hitting the offense uh, to the extent that the Reds have an offense. Uh, let's talk about Wait. the tra- – go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Just I, just, I, I just want to run through all the transactions in the last week and really most of them in the last uh, two or three days. Yeah. One week ago, uh, Wandy Peralta back. All right. That is not something that helps the major league team. Exists, yes. Yeah. So Rosella Iglesias went on the paternity list. 
and uh, he was replaced on the roster by Juan Gratterall, Louisville Bats Triple A yes. catcher. And uh, at the <laughs> and then same day, the Reds signed Justin Grimm. I mentioned only because he went to a high school close to uh, to where I live, and uh, yay, yay, Justin Grimm. Um, so anyway, Juan Gratterall is on the on the roster. Because uh, the Reds have chosen to, I don't, again, well, this was on the 17th. Kirk Casale was still on the active roster that day. Right. So, but he couldn't play because he was put on the, the injured list the very next day. So they played yeah. uh, even more shorthanded than usual on that day. The next day, Casale goes on to the uh, disabled list, injured list. Kyle Farmer on the injured list with a concussion after taking yes. two balls hard off the face. But- the Reds are currently on their fourth and fifth string catchers, and the right and the fifth string catcher being a guy who was not even a Red. This is Gratterall. I think I saw Doug Gray said it was his third time with the Reds organization, but the first time he's made it to the majors with them. And then the you know this week the Reds signed Ryan Lavarnway. Yep, reportedly, Ryan Lavarnway is a Cincinnati Red. Jason, you know, I haven't even I haven't even fangraphed him yet. What is a Ryan Lavarnway? Ryan La Is L- that L A L A V A R N W A Y. There he is. Wow. We had to get real deep in that name for him to show up on fangraphs. Oh boy. Yet yeah, the Reds are, are not gonna do this the easy way. They're not gonna do it the hard way even. They're gonna do it the Lavarnway. <laughs> I don't understand why they didn't just call up Stuart Turner. Explain that. They let Stuart Turner stay on the Major League roster for a whole season, essentially. I mean, I guess because I think what they're thinking is that this is just going to be very short, and I would assume that LeVarnway probably is cut loose quite soon. Probably, but they did sign well, him to a Major League contract. Whereas Turner, to, to leave the roster, would have to go back through waivers, and they probably don't want to send him back through waivers. Um I don't know. I'd... Well, and, and Lavarnway is is bad. I mean, he's he's better than almost every catcher on earth, but compared to actual major league catchers, he's not good. Yeah, um, and he's just going to be your backup catcher. So what's you know what's the big deal? I guess. But yeah, uh, well, why can't Stuart Turner just be your backup catcher? Oh, that's well, weird. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's kind of why Stuart Turner is there. He's organizational depth. He's not a. You know, that's the the the. the Ryan LaVarnway is both one of the best catchers in the world and also not good enough for the major leagues. That's that like particular thought train of thought is something that entered my head recently. Did you see, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think people appreciate it where the New York times for some reason decided to profile this person who had started a podcast, which like podcasts are stupid anyway, I hate them and put zero effort into it. And then failed at it, and then quit after six episodes. That was the whole thing. And there was like a think piece on this in the New York Times, and everybody was making fun of it. You know, I didn't life. see that. But what was the what was the object of? The, I mean, what was the the point of the of the piece? I don't know. No <laughs> one knows. That's why everyone's making fun of it. But it, you know, it, what it made me think about was like you know, because everybody's like, great, so somebody didn't try at all, somehow managed to accomplish less than that. And to get written up in the New York Times, I don't know. But it made me think about, like, 
you know, you want to talk about like effort and getting right on the cusp. Like, man, let's talk about guys like Ryan LaVarnway and, and other like career, basically minor league players who play for years and years and years. And they are compared to the entire population of baseball players in the world, phenomenally good and not quite good enough to actually get anyone to care how good they are. You literally said the sentence, let's talk about guys like Ryan LaVarnway. This is where it's come in the 2019 Cincinnati Red season. This is literally what you said within the first 15 minutes. Of it's the true, podcast. but I just, I thought it was interesting. It's like, you know, like those are guys who have interesting stories, you know, like, I don't know. No, every time, it happened a moment ago when I mentioned his name, and I started to say that he's bad. But every time I say it, I think to myself, no, he's literally one of the greatest baseball players on the planet. Yeah. Compared to you know the entire population of play, people who play baseball. He is probably one of the, I would say, probably 3,000 best players in the world. <laughs> that, if you're one of the 3,000 best at anything, I mean, we're one of probably the 4,000 best, best podcasters. But 3,000? That's elite. Yeah. yeah. So. Like, I saw something also while, while we're at this. This is a fun tangent where... Somebody was. I saw somebody talking about somebody else who like got like a bronze medal and something in the Olympics, and is like, "Man, I feel really bad." And people are talking trash about me online. And it's like, no. <laughs> I think it might have been Trevor Noah. I think I saw a Trevor Noah clip where he's like, "No, there are two people in the world who can talk trash to you. Two. Everybody else has to shut up." <laughs> got a bronze medal at the Olympics. Exactly. Oh my goodness. So. Um... Now, let me ask you this, though. Uh, again, since we're just, this is going to be the all-tangent podcast, evidently. All right. Can we get a New York Times think piece, or possibly the Atlantic or somewhere, about a, a podcast that does 277 episodes and then quits? I mean, we might as well try. Let's see what we can do. So, this is the final episode of Red Leg Nation right. Radio. Uh, so, the, the other thing that happened this week, of course, we said Kyle Farmer, who was capably filling in at, as the backup catcher. Yeah. In, uh, in... Tucker Bornhart's absence, and then when Kirk Sally got hurt, I mean, he was he was fine. Uh, do, do we need to talk about the fact that he took two balls off the uh, face? Everybody could tell just from watching on television that he didn't know where he was. He said he doesn't remember any of the rest of the game, and the Reds yeah. left him in the game. The Reds let him finish the game. Yeah, that was a mistake. Yeah, that uh, I, I thought everybody that was watching could tell he was he didn't know where he was because uh, he, he was hit hard. He's probably regretting. Deciding to uh, pick up, I mean, the catcher. Listen, mask. I realized that the Reds were shorthanded, but he should have come out of the game. Yes, yes. I don't care if you had to. So. I mean, you know, you could always put, uh, I don't know, Wandy Peralta behind the plate. I mean, you know, hopefully there are no long-term consequences for him. I don't know what kind of concussion history history Kyle Farmer has. Hopefully, it's the first one he's ever had. Um, second since he's been in professional baseball, he said. Second, okay, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah, he's, so, on, he's on the concussion protocol, seven-day injured list. So, But if that's his second concussion, his days behind the plate might be numbered. He's getting there, yeah. You don't want to take uh, too much of a chance on that. Uh, the other transaction of the week was David Hernandez being placed on the injured list with right shoulder, no, wait a minute, I'm, I misread that. It's inflamed ERA, I think is what that says. What did they actually say? I saw that he was placed on the IL. What was the actual? Dead arm, right shoulder fatigue. <sighs> right was... shoulder fatigue. So, yes, that's either inflamed ERA or, oh, your career is over. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially it. And, you know, David Hernandez has had some moments where he's been awfully good for the Reds. He's had some, you know, 
Uh, he was certainly uh, capable last year, and then early this year, some moments, but at this point, his ERA is basically seven, and David Bell insists on pitching him in the highest leverage situations. Now, is, is that a function of David Bell being a Yahoo, like everybody on Twitter says, or is that a function of uh, he's got a tired bullpen and he's running out of options? Yes. <laughs> I mean, he's got Jimmy Hergut out there who's pitched once in, you know, 16 days on the roster or something. More, more importantly, let's ask a question. Let's let's ask a question, Chad. And I'm asking this question to you. What do I always say about relief pitchers? Um, they're dreamy. Uh, close, but not quite. No, that's what you say. But there are other things you say as well. Um, that the you, it's hard to tell year to year who's going to be who because they're kind of fungible. And uh, is that what you say? That is what I say. They yeah. are unreliable. Yeah, you just don't know. Yeah, even the very best of them flame out sometimes for, and you can't predict when it's going to happen. Listen, there have been like four relief pitchers ever that have put together a legitimately good full length career. (laughs) It just, it doesn't happen that often. Most relief pitchers have like three good seasons and then flame out. David Hernandez has had really an excellent career for a relief pitcher. Yeah. He's 78 years old. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think it would surprise anyone if all of a sudden he just fell off the map. Not because he's bad at his job or anything like that, but because relief pitchers are weird like that. Yeah, I mean, he's he. All jokes aside, he's thirty four. He's only seventy eight. And when you run his face with that dumb app that everybody everyone's doing this week, yeah. uh, he's thirty four. That's a pretty darn good career for a reliever to make it that long. Because how many do? Very very few. He's going to get his full pension, like. He's, he's doing all right. Yeah, maybe he can afford, afford some balm for his right shoulder, which is fatigued. You he put balm on that? I don't know how that works. I'm not a doctor. Man, listen, you don't put a balm on it unless somebody tells you to put a balm on it. <laughs> all right, then. I have no idea what that conversation we just had means. Not a word of it. You didn't so, get my Seinfeld reference there? God, man, it's the all-tangent episode. That's a, I would have said, I would have said before just now that there's never been a Seinfeld reference that went over my head. I don't, it's, wor- I don't it's remember that one. The first time that when Kramer spills coffee on himself, and it's the first time Jackie Childs enters. <laughs> oh, Jackie Childs. And he burns himself, and then he puts a bomb on it, and the burn goes away, and Jackie Childs says, Who told <laughs> yes. you to put a bomb on it? I didn't tell you to put a bomb on it. <laughs> I do remember that. I can't believe that. Well, let me ask you this. When he gets his full pension and retires, should yes. he ensconce himself in velvet? Obviously. Obviously, yes. He drape himself in <laughs> I had to uh, come back with the, with the Seinfeld yeah. reference to make up for that. All right. So, anyway, the Reds, this is what concerns me because the Reds really need a, a hot streak right now. They're still not out of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it doesn't. They're getting close, though. <laughs> they're, getting, they're getting very close, yes. Yeah. And, and it concerns me that the Reds have, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys, eight guys right now who were unavailable for tonight. I mean, we record this every Thursday yeah. night. Eight guys everybody, that were either on the disabled list or unavailable. Everybody just got hurt all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean they're not all on the disabled list, but, you know, Barnhart, Casale, your starting catchers are both the disabled list. Right. Uh, Dietrich didn't play because, you know, he was uh, forced out with a right knee contusion. And same with Sinzel, who had a hamstring injury. Said he's okay, but he's not playing tonight either. Right. Um, and then, of course, California. Farmer's out, so you're three catchers, essentially, for this season. Yeah. Garrett's and, out, Iglesias is out. And then Alex Wood. 
And then Alex Wood, yeah. Well, do we even count him at this point? He's perpetually out. I'm saying these are guys that would, with the exception perhaps of Farmer, if all these guys were healthy, they'd all be on the big league roster. And Farmer probably would too. Yeah. So uh, that's a lot. That's a I mean, big, big chunk of your roster that's unavailable tonight. But, but let's be honest. Things aren't going that bad because you know that things are still okay when Jesse Winker is starting in center field. <laughs> Explain that one to me. Because tonight, I know everyone is screaming, Philip Irvin, get Philip Irvin in the game. And I love me some Philip Irvin. He went like 12 for 12 against Colorado this week. It was beautiful. He's hit 365, 158 OPA, OPS plus. But everyone's screaming, get him in, got to get him in the lineup, which I'm okay with Phil Irvin playing more. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of a backup quarterback syndrome where everybody loves the backup quarterback till he gets in there. Um, but again, I'm okay with him playing more. Why in the world would you have he and Jesse Winker in the lineup at the same time, but Winker in center field? Can you think of any justification for that? I mean, and I love me some David Bell, but that's, I don't understand that. I, I, there's something going on that I can't figure out. I can understand that, actually. Really? Yeah. I'm listening. And it is, I think, that Irvin and – because I've watched – I've seen Irvin a lot. I've seen Irvin a lot more than the vast, vast majority of Reds fans because I watch a lot of games in Louisville. Um, and he is not good in center field. He's fast. And so that makes people think he can play center field. He is not good in center field. You've been telling us that, and I have – Every reason to believe you. I'm, I don't doubt that one bit. I, but you're it, telling me he's not it, better than Winker? That it like it doesn't make sense. Like it actually doesn't make sense. Even when I'm watching him in Louisville, like I will see balls hit and I will think, well, he should get to that, and he just doesn't, and I don't know why. That's <laughs> I mean that's what I'm telling you is that Philip Irvin is not a center fielder. Okay, is Jesse Winker? That's what I'm saying. I, I, I will accept that Irvin's not a center fielder. But I can't. I just can't get it through my head that he's still not better than Jesse Winker out there. That's not a real high bar to cross. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the thing about Winker is that Winker's primary defensive limitation is that he is slow as molasses. <laughs> this is true. But That's- he does not typically, at least in my experience watching him, seem to get bad reads on the ball. Takes good routes. He uh, yeah. his arm is okay. I mean, he makes the throw to the right base. You know, he didn't miss a cutoff man. He's whereas I would say that Irvin's problem is that he often takes bad routes. Well, if he didn't, he'd probably still be in center field because he's that athletic. And so it's kind of like six of one, half dozen of another. You know, which choose your poison and go for the predictably, you know, the the, the reliably bad guy. I guess. Yeah. If that makes sense. I guess I'm not okay. I don't. I don't see it. I'm sure David Bell has some justification, but I, I can't I figure. I it out. actually genuinely don't understand is why Puig is not the second string center fielder. I don't have an answer for that either. I thought, he just I thought right he play, yeah. and I guess that's where he likes to play, and that's fine. He's Yasiel Puig, but I'd rather Puig in center field than either Winker or Irvin. And I've seen Winker in right field, and Winker is better in right than he is in left. Yeah. So your best defensive alignment, I would guess, would be Irvin, Puig, Winker, left, center, right. But, yeah. Who knows? It's not a great defensive outfield. No, know, it's not going to be great that. Yeah. And, I mean, that's not on Puig. That's on Winker and Irvin. Like, sure, that's, that's sure. Be, yeah. um, I want to talk a little bit more about Puig in just one moment. But, I, but uh, let's talk about those other two outfielders uh, for a second here. All right. 
uh, Winker and, and Urban. I'm, I'm on the Jesse, I'm a, a fully paid member of the Jesse Winker fan club. Going to run for the uh, executive board next year of the Jesse Winker fan club. Yeah, look forward to it. Look forward Hopefully, to it. I get to be either the secretary or the treasurer. But there's been some discussion about some camps are upset that Winker's not playing every single day. Some people are upset that Phil Urban's not playing more. Um, and no one seems to, and I'm sitting, I'm setting this on a tee for you here, Jason, because I know your thoughts on this, but. I don't have any issue whatsoever with, I think, a Jesse Winker, Philip Irvin platoon. Everybody hates the word platoon. And I, Jesse Winker's 25, and I want him to get some of bats against left-handers to, to, so, he, so he can learn. So he can, you yeah. know, because uh, I think he can hit left-handers eventually in the big leagues. But I don't hate a Jesse Winker, Philip Irvin platoon, uh, Winker hitting against right-handers, Irvin against left-handers. Am I wrong? You are not wrong, and you knew you knew what you were doing. You knew. You understood. You was, know what that was about just now. I was trying to set it up for you here. Yeah, no, Winker is, I think, my thoughts basically would echo yours. I think Winker is, Winker is always going to have a platoon split, most likely, because um, he's human and not Joey Votto. Um, but, yeah, I think he probably could learn to hit left-handers better, and I think that the only way to do that is via practice. But in, you know, the current situation, I don't see anything wrong with an Irvin Winker platoon. You know, one of the things, though, that, like, people get – I've said this multiple times on the podcast. People get really confused about – the difference between someone who is a rookie and someone who is young. Um, and Philip Irvin, while I think still technically a rookie, is not necessarily what you would call young at this point. Um, he is, so he's 13 months basically older than Winker. So he just turned 27. Winker hasn't quite turned 26 yet. Irvin's got net bats over the course of four seasons, got about 400 plate appearances. Jesse Winker has about double that, okay? But Jesse Winker is a year younger than Philip Irvin with twice as many plate appearances as Philip Irvin has. And that's enormous in terms of talent. You don't bench Jesse Winker for Philip Irvin. You just don't do it. And, you know, one of the other things that people really need to understand and I feel like sometimes people listen more on the podcast or whatever, is if you really want to know how good a player is in the minor leagues, go to Baseball Reference and look at their minor league stats. And yes, look at what they are. But there's a column over on the far left that gives you a plus or minus for how old they were relative to the league. Okay? That's a big deal. Yes. Yeah, at this point, Philip Irvin is basically dead average age for a AAA player. He might, I'm not looking at it right now, so he might even be a little... AAA players tend to skew really old because it's where a lot of like 32-year-old guys, 31-year-old guys are hanging out getting cups of coffee every now and again. Um, but like, you know, Irvin is just at the very outer reaches of even really being able to be called a prospect and is still trying to establish himself Whereas Jesse Winker, were he still in AAA, you would think, uh, he's still a prospect, but he needs to get up there soon. And he has basically two seasons of Major League playing time. He has two seasons, essentially, of Major League playing time, as you said. And at, yeah. it, I, I'm going to say this, and somebody's going to look it up and tell me I'm wrong, but I'm 100% sure that I'm correct. No, 99% sure. Uh, at, at this same exact age, Todd Frazier hadn't played in the Major Leagues yet. 
I think you're probably right. It's somewhere right around there. So, yeah. you know, and uh, that's the difference between a guy that we have a viewer mail question about uh, Jose Peraza later, so let's not talk about him, but it's the similar argument, which is when a guy debuts so young, that's that's evidence, regardless of what the numbers look like necessarily early on. Yeah. That's evidence that there's real talent there. Um, to to Todd Frazier got a got 41 games when he was the same age as Jesse Winker currently. There you is. go. So, but what, where, where do you go, though, with the Winker Urban Platoon idea, though? I'm fine with it for now. For now, yeah. And it, honestly, to me, a lot of it depends on what the Reds are trying to do with the rest of this season. Um, yeah. You know, honestly, if the Reds had won three more games than they've won, then I think you say Winker Urban Platoon and let's hit it for the playoffs. But given the way things are going, especially if they can't pull it together tonight and and somehow manage to come back, which they're trying, but, you know, we'll see. Um, but if they can't come back tonight, then I think you're entering into the point where it starts to be like, let's look at next year. And in that circumstance, I actually think you play Winker every day. Let him try to learn against those left-handers. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if you're trying to win every game, and I actually expect the Reds, no matter what happens, that's what the Reds are going to be doing most of the rest of the season. I think probably that's right. Um, and, and I think it makes some sense. If you're trying to put the best offense you can out there, especially as this offense has struggled, I think a Winker-Irvin platoon makes a lot of sense because Irvin does crush left-handers. Yeah, and uh, and Winker, his numbers against right-handers are fantastic. His numbers overall are good. I got no issues with a twenty-five-year-old yeah. with his numbers. But you could see something like a a, a one forty or a one fifty, you know, W runs created plus or OPS plus or whatever your preferred stat is, like basically getting fifty percent better production than the average hitter uh, out of left field if if Winker and Irvin were platooning. I like think that's, so. Yeah, that's a possibility. Um, and platoon's not a dirty word to me. I mean, you know, you got to mix and match and use the guys you got. I don't, you know, a lot of people don't want to have eight starters. Maybe it's the maybe it's the big red machine uh, leftovers. You know, the great eight. You got to have, even though those guys didn't play together very often, really. But you got to have eight named starters. I I, I, I don't buy that. So, um, do we want to talk more about your boy Vado? No, no. I, <laughs> I listen. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. He's he's kind of back struggling again, though. I feel like, and, and you can tell tell me if I'm seeing this through Joey colored glasses, but I feel like he has been going through a run lately where he's and he's had a couple of these recent years where he's like hitting the ball hard. It's just kind of not in the right place. This is all eye test stuff, but I don't. He doesn't look to me like he did early in the year. So I yeah. guess I, I was I say I agree with you, but yikes! His slugging percentage is below 400 now. Yeah, but we're really just talking about a handful of games that he's been kind of not getting it done. Um, and that, you know, it could easily, one game he could erase all of it has gone away over the last several games. So, Oh, I hope he will. Yeah, me too. We'll I, love, I love Joey. We'll see with Joey. But jo- I, I'll believe in Joey until Joey tells me not to believe in him. Joey. Though, you know what we really need to talk about is this. Joey. Joey, but also, <laughs> it has been made clear through various like I've seen I've seen I've seen enough on the internet to know that Joey Votto has a burner Twitter account. Yeah, he does. He's noted in a couple places that he checks Twitter. And I've got to figure out where that is. Yeah, because uh, you want to make sure that he sees coffee and Votto. I, no, I just need I need to know. They, you know how sometimes they say that things are need to know. I need to know. <laughs> I need to know. Well. You know, it doesn't bother me if he's creeping on uh, Twitter and sees my tweets because I have, uh, I've been, yeah. a lo- I'm a long time admirer of Joseph Daniel Votto. Listen, 
Joey Votto, in case, you know, I think perhaps because he has been having a, a, a not the greatest year this year that, that we haven't said this often enough, the greatest hitter in the history of the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> that is are you are you just going to forget about D'Angelo Jimenez that quickly? I mean, get out of here with this nonsense, Jason. You know, I thought you were going to bring up Thomas Howard, and I'm just glad that you did. <laughs> Come on, that's Xavier Nady. Hey, what about Xavier Paul? Xavier Paul? Did Xavier Nady even play for the Reds? Was I thinking about Xavier I, Paul? You might have been. <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're obscure. Shout out to obscure former Reds uh, Twitter account. You know, by the way, speaking of former Reds, do you know who Philip Irvin is? And this will put this, I think, perfectly in content, context for a lot of people. Philip Irvin is Chris Heisey. Yeah. Yes. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a criticism. Like, again, Chris Heisey, good ball player, had himself a nice little career. Is he still even playing? I wouldn't be surprised if he were still hanging out. No, no. he hasn't played since 2017. Um but yeah, a whole lot of people have done a whole lot worse than Chris Heisey. Yes, I'm telling you. And that's the difference between he and Winker. Uh, Winker being younger and yeah. uh, and better is that Winker has a chance to be an everyday guy. Philip Urban is probably a pretty good fourth outfielder for a few years and a guy that can hang on because of his athleticism for a few years more. Yeah. And, and you know, people act like that's a criticism to say he, he's not really going to hit 365 the rest of his career. So one one yeah. more guy I want to talk about uh, on the offensive side of the ledger, and that's Yasiel Puig. You like this Yasiel Puig? I do like this Yasiel Puig, and in fact, I'm on record as liking this Yasiel Puig, even when everybody else did not. There was a time when literally everyone on earth disliked Yasiel Puig, except for you. Except for me. And a couple of select people I know. Okay. Well, I'll have to take your word for that, because I hated him. No, I never hated. Oh, I've always loved Puig. I, I, I was, I went back and found some tweets from like 2014 or something, 2015, where I was saying, "Resident, you trade for this guy." Yeah, uh, I, I just like missing Yasiel Puig. But you know, he started out May second, 178 batting average, 211 on base percentage, and 327 slugging percentage. May second. Yep. That's after 20 percent of the season, essentially 31 games. Yep. That's that's not good. How we looking now? <laughs> How we looking now? How you like me now? A little Toby up Keith for to, you? Up to the moment, because I'm staring at his updated stats right now. He's now up to 262 batting average, 307 on base percentage, and 503 slugging percentage. Officially an above average major league hitter. Uh, he has been just destroying the ball for weeks now. Yeah, in the last, I looked it up, you know, the last uh, two plus months, about uh, two and a half months. He was hitting a 305, 355, 601 slugging, 18 home runs. His WRC plus was 141 when I looked this up two days ago. That was 14th best in the entire National League. So that's that's not bad. It's uh it's right there in, with Anthony Rizzo and Freddie Freeman. You know, uh, good numbers. But then if we look at just the last a little more than a month, this blew my mind because I knew he'd been hitting well. I I don't know how I didn't realize how well he had been hitting. And this is the piece that I wrote this week. Uh, go uh, like it, share it, whatever you do on the, the interwebs. Since June 10th, and again, I looked this up yesterday or the day before, but uh, so the numbers have changed, I guess. But since June 10th, Yasiel Puig has been the best hitter in the major leagues. So we're talking more than a month. 373 batting average, 420 on base, 775 slugging. Um, 
Well, when I looked it up, he had a 210 WRC plus. It went down the next night. But a 210 WRC plus, that was uh, higher than even Mike Trout's. I mean, that's pretty good. And a small sample so size, sure, but we're talking about... He is better than Mike Trout, says Chad Dotson. Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm saying. I mean, I think uh, Puig and Trout and, you know, Ruth and Mays and some of those guys are all in the conversation right. for best player ever. You know, Bonds, we'll put him in that conversation. Um, Joey Votto. Pete Rose. Back to Yasiel Puig. Um, he has been, that's we're talking five weeks. But that, you know, yeah. five five weeks of hitting better than Mike Trout is a pretty good five weeks. Yeah, and and you're right. He's he's now an above average hitter on the season, even despite the slow start. And you, you got to expect that by the end of the year, he's going to you know continue to either improve well, or well, Yasiel Puig numbers about twenty percent or so above league average, but maybe thirty five home runs. Yeah. You know? Oh, he's going to set a career high for homers unless something weird happens. Well, he's his, what's his career high? Career high now. His career high's twenty eight, right? Yeah. And he's got uh, twenty two now. Yeah, yeah. that's going to happen. Um. The, so anyway, I think people need to understand that Puig is—he's pretty good. He's 28 years old, and <laughs> here's what I think is gonna—the Reds are gonna do. This is my prediction. You know, everybody's talking trade deadline. Can you deal him? I, you know, he may have some value now. Certainly, he would have value as part of a bigger package to help somebody that needed needed another bat in their in their lineup. Yeah, for the stretch run. But I think there's zero chance the Reds trade Yasiel Puig at the trade deadline. I agree. I think. And, the, I mean, I don't think they would really get that much of a return for him, and I don't want them to trade him. I want them to extend him. Right. That's that's, that's sort of where I was going. Um, I mean, I could, you know, he's not going to bring a lot on his own. I don't think. I just, teams just aren't giving up that much right now on the for two months of a player at the no. trade deadline. Uh, teams are smarter than that now. Uh, but I think the Reds are number one. It's a, it'd be a PR disaster. The, the city would revolt if uh, Puig were traded. He's just—he's been here, you know, three and a half months, and he's already one of the most popular guys in town. Best bobblehead I've seen since Johnny Gomes that they gave out at the park tonight—the Yasiel yeah. Puig wild horse bobblehead. I think he's going to be with the Reds the rest of the season, and I do think the Reds are going to make a big push to try to extend him. Yeah, I mean, especially if he continues to perform like he has been, which I fully expect. Right, and 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 the numbers that he's you know putting up and the, what he'll end up the season with—I think you can pencil him in. With, for those numbers, you know, hopefully the next three, four years at least, and right field's taken care of. Yep. Now you got other holes to fill, but that's one that's taken care of. So now, whether they can sign him or not, I've been saying all year that I think he's going to want to test the free agent market. So the Reds are going to have to make a good offer. They're not going to be able to lowball him. They're going to have to make a market rate offer, but you know what? Pay the guy. At some point, you got to pay good players if you want them to play for you. Yes. Agree fully, completely, and wholeheartedly. Do you have numbers in mind or years or anything like that? You know, we got asked something about this for Red Leg Nation, and I, with the way the free agent market has been, I genuinely had no have no idea. A couple of years ago, I would have said that he's probably looking at a five year deal for about a hundred million, yeah. like about twenty million a year seems about right for Yasiel Puig. Now, I genuinely have no idea. Probably not twenty million a year, but I don't know. Yeah, that I don't was- know where the market is. I don't know if there's going to be a labor stoppage. Like, I really don't know. Yeah, the last two years are throwing everything up in the air. Yeah. That was our question at RedLegNation.com this week. We Every week we have a question where several of the writers weigh in, and I waited on that one. I refused to answer that part. I basically said, I, I, I'm, I get bored with discussion of numbers, 
because I just choose to uh, assume that the Reds, if they are going to play in the major leagues, they've got the money. I know they've got the money, but yeah, you know, you know, I've had a lot of conversations like that too, where people ask me like, yeah, but what's his salary? And I'm like, I don't care what his salary is. Do you want good players? Yeah. Then you got to pay for them. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ownerships like mouthpiece anymore. Like, Oh, well, what can the Reds afford? Yeah. Whatever you own a big league ball team, you can have whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would like the Reds. Would I like for them to sign him to a sort of team-friendly deal like Eugenio Suarez? Okay, if it means they can, you know, toss some money somewhere else, I'm fine with that. You know, like a Ronald Acuna and uh, Ozzy Albies with the Braves, who signed way below market deals. Uh, sure, yeah. you know, if it helps the team sign more players, that's fine. But on the other hand, Yasiel Puig has a has uh, talents and abilities that are unique in this world. He's not a Lavarnway. Um, and and his, that it's worth something. And some team that wants to win baseball games will pay him next year to play for them. Some team will give him more money than any other team. Yeah. And if the Reds want to compete with those teams, at some point you've got to sign a guy like that. I, you know, I'm still hearing things like, oh, nobody wants Yasiel Puig on their team because he's hard to deal with or whatever. Has he been anything other than a complete, complete delight Okay, uh, there are two things to say about that. Number one is, oh my goodness, he's been amazing. He's hustled more than anyone on the team. He's playing hard as can be. He's been uh, his personality is just amazing. The other side is he did admit before he came over he was eh, I didn't always play hard and but now I, I you know I I, I got to get yeah. paid basically. So I mean you don't know how much of that is, but everything I've seen since he came to Cincinnati makes me just love the guy. And and he's not dogging at him. He had that reputation. But he's not even taking a single playoff. You know what I mean? Yes, I, just, I do. I like me some Yasiel Puig. I, 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 four years. If the Reds could do a deal for four years, I'd go five. But I love yeah. I love the idea of having him in the lineup for the next four years. I agree. When he's still going to be athletic and the arm is still going to be good. So, Oh, man. I guess before we get into some viewer mail questions – the next thing we need to discuss is really this. How do we, how do we look at the Reds right now? Uh, you know, if you follow on Twitter and don't, don't follow on Twitter, uh, Jason, I'm going to reveal something here uh, to you, which is that I deleted the Twitter apps from my phone. I do it. I, you know, I do it on my desktop when I have the laptop up or something, but I just, uh, it's too toxic to have it in my face all day long. So I deleted the apps on, on on my phone, um, which if, if you've been on Twitter, you, that's what you'll notice that I've not been around as much lately. Cause it's just when I have a computer up in, in front of me that I get on there. So, but if you follow them there, it's the fan base is melting down. It's over. Yeah. It's over. I, I don't log into the red light nation account basically ever now because of that. Um, my personal account, I just, I'm I'm with you, except that my strategy is that I've just blocked an enormous amount of people. Like, like my solution now is if someone I've never talked to before comes into my mentions, like automatically, like complaining in a way that makes them kind of a turd, I just block and move on with my life. Like, That's probably a healthier way uh, yeah. to de- to deal with that awful awful app. But uh, you know, I don't know if the Reds lose, end up losing tonight, and they're probably going to they're down in the, going to the ninth inning as we speak here uh they're going to be eight games under 500 i don't know man at some point 
at some point it's going to be too late. And we're getting there. I don't think we're there, but I still see. I still want to be optimistic because this team is still fun. I still love these this group of players. Yeah, you know they're fun to watch, and the pitching's good. I just, I don't know. I don't get it. That's uh, you know we're here to analyze the Reds, and that's my analysis. I don't get it. I don't either. I mean, I I find myself being like, boy, the Reds really need to add a bat this off season. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that coming. You know, one thing. All right, Chad. I'm just let's. I'm about. I'm about to. I'm about to do something that might be a mistake right now. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> let's Man, hear it. The Reds like that. the The output from second base is looking real shaky. Here we go. It's it, but from from both people that the that everyone wants to have starting at second base. Put on your seatbelts, viewers. It's happening. Dietrich has not hit for a while. He's not. Jeanette was hurt all year and has not exactly been setting the world on fire. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you want to talk about, like, if you want to let Yasiel Puig go, you really are potentially going to be hurting because somebody's got to play second next year. And You got some holes around the lineup. Yeah. 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 If you and you, you're gonna be adding one more if you if you open up. Uh, quickly before we get into viewer mail, let's go back to our Derek Dietrich watch, which Chris Garber and I uh, talked about last week. Derek Dietrich now 19 home runs, 23 walks, 21 times hit by pitches. That's so fascinating. <laughs> so we're wondering which of those will he will he lead? Uh, you know, which will be his highest total: home runs, walks, or hits hit by pitches? 21 times he's been hit by pitch. Second most on the Reds is a tie between Jesse Winker and Jose Peraza with six. Ah. I love it, Derek Dietrich. But you're right. Second base is... Well, we got a viewer mail question that's going to uh, maybe help uh, shed some light on Dietrich that. Dietrich, in terms of... We can, we can add just one more to that. 18 singles. Mm. There we go. We're going to Derek Dietrich watch the rest of the season. All right. You know what Derek Dietrich is? He's a re- he's a really good utility guy. He's a good bench guy. Just exactly what we said at the beginning of the season. He's fun. You love having him around. He had those hot six weeks, and everybody falls in love with those guys. And I fell in love with him because of his personality, and I like the home runs and yeah, stuff too. But yeah, he's, he's still incredibly likable. I enjoy watching him play very much. That doesn't mean that I think he needs to be the starting second baseman for the Reds. No, but I want him on the Reds. He can, yeah. help, the, he can help the team coming off the bench. Absolutely. So, All right, let's do some viewer mail. Hash let's Brown listener mail. Hash Brown viewer mail. Hash Brown listener mail. As always, these are actual letters from actual from viewers. actual listeners. If they weren't, could we do this? From Jim Conley, who uh, asked us a viewer mail question at patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you can go to get uh, priority access to the viewer mail question segment of the podcast. Jim Conley asks a two-part question. I'm seeing The first part, I'm seeing fans get worked up about the rumors surrounding trade interest in Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray. Is that not a good thing? Every team should want to add guys that have been as good as those two this season. Let me say this. Uh, Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray are not going to be traded. Yeah, at no. the trade deadline, uh, they're not untouchable. I'd trade them both. 
Yes. But you have to offer me something that's going to make it worth my while, and that's going to be a lot. Sonny Gray, they've got for the next three years. He's not going anywhere. Luis Castillo, 26 years old. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, there have been some rumors, quote-unquote, lately about Castillo getting traded, and that's, you know, that's uh, people trying to get clicks on their websites and yeah. Yankees fans feeling like uh, that, they should be able to pick anybody they want from any lesser organization. Yeah, I think somebody in the Yankees leaked that they would like Luis Castillo, and then all Yankees fans therefore assumed that they should have him. There are, and this is just this is not a scientific uh, answer here. I mean, I, I'm giving you math, but I don't know how precise it is. But I'm going to say approximately 29 other teams that would like to have Luis Castillo in their rotation. Yes. Roughly. Yeah. Jim Conley's second question at patreon.com slash redlegradio. Man, this catching debacle. Yeah, that should have been the uh, title of the podcast. We've kicked around the subject in the uh, Red Lake Nation radio discussions, but I'd, and I assume he's talking about it on Slack, but I'd be very much interested to hear Jason's thoughts, specifically asking for your thoughts. Jim, I mean, come on, man. I am the thoughtful one. <laughs> I'd be very much interested to hear Jason's thoughts on an upgrade of the position, cons- position considering offense and defensive metrics. Uh, so I'm not really sure what that means. Do the Reds need to upgrade it? If that's the question, then I think the answer is yes. But uh, what are your thoughts about upgrading catcher? I think that's got to be one of their primary goals, but it's going to be difficult to do in the offseason. That's my opinion. Yeah, I don't know where they're going to get somebody really is the question. I think defensively, my understanding, at least last I looked, is that basically, you know, and there were quotes to this effect, but like nobody had ever worked with Tucker on pitch framing until this year. And now all of a sudden he's good at it because he's Tucker Barnhart and he's very good at being a catcher. Um, so defensively, I think probably we're okay. And you really can't look at defensive stats for like part of a season and, and tell anything useful. Um, the offense is kind of another story. Um, Tyler Stevenson does seem to kind of finally sort of be coming along and, and he might be up and, and, you know, providing some, uh, some help in the next his ETA probably is twenty twenty one. Yeah, I would say. Um, I was really hoping he would take a huge step forward this year. Yeah, and get himself in the conversation for next year because I think he's the only hope within the organization. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that, that he's the only hope within the organization. But otherwise, I mean, you know, catcher is never a deep position ever. Um, it's just not like. There's a, yeah. There's a reason the Reds went, all, you know, not all in, but they really tried hard to get JT Rail Muto this offseason because yeah. a guy like that is rare. He's a unicorn, a catcher that can really hit. Yeah. So, but here's my response to your thoughts there, Jason, and I'd like your uh, thoughts to about my response to your thoughts. Okay. Why would the Reds need to? Uh, <laughs> I don't understand why they would need an upgrade when they've got. Lavarnway. Lis Alberto Lavarnway. Oh, Chad. No? Doesn't work. Oh, Chad. Oh. There he goes again. Andrew Scott Wills asks at patreon.com slash redlegradio if Jim Day was able to land Joey Votto as a guest on his podcast. Jim Day with a really entertaining uh, podcast. If you, I don't know why you would listen to any other podcast other than this one, but if you do, there are a few that are worth listening to. Jim Day's is one of those. If Jim Day was able to land Joey Votto as a guest on his podcast, how many times a day would Jason Linden listen to it? Enough. Enough times a day. Enough times a day. 
I don't know what just happened in the game, but I just got a text from my wife that said three words. Puig is good. <laughs> I've got the like game day up and it says uh, Yasiel Puig, uh, right fielder Yasiel flies into Edmundo Sosa flies into a double play right fielder Yasiel Puig to third baseman Eugenio Suarez <laughs> to shortstop Jose Iglesias I gotta go watch that later sign that guy yeah listen Yasiel Puig I don't know I just there's maybe he's fooling us but I love that guy so so you would listen as many times a day as you could listen to it. Probably it's about an hour long podcast, 24 hours a day. Is that really the truth of the matter? I mean, I don't sleep. All day long. You'd have it on in the background when you're sleeping though, right? Maybe, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> maybe. We'll see, he says. Uh, all right. Uh, next question on viewer mail. You like the viewer mail, don't you? I love listener mail. You love some viewer mail. Next question is from... listeners. Next question is from Joe Farfsing. I don't know if that's a real name or a, a pseudonym, or I've, I've never seen that name before, but Joe Farfsing? Um, first of all, let me say about my buddy Joe here, new patron at patreon.com. Thank you so much, Joe, for joining us, joining the, the fun at uh, Patreon. I'm just blown away by the response, and people continue to, to find us at patreon.com slash redlegradio. Joe's one of our uh, newest... Uh, patrons and really do appreciate you joe his question it's a good question and it is uh very uh particularly worded long time non-listener first time non-caller he says you both are conductors on the jose peraza train but i don't see it he's not terrible but after roughly three seasons worth of plate appearances he has a wrc plus of 82 and grades out as a slightly above average defensive second baseman and below average shortstop and outfielder using UZR. Parentheses, I know no defensive stats are completely accurate. When could we admit that he's a stopgap utility guy and not a contributor on a contending Reds team? You want that one or you want me to take the first stab at it? I'll, I'll go first on this one. Okay. Um, I think he gets one more year. We'll see what he does for the rest of this year. He's really bounced back a lot. The Jose Peraza we saw last year absolutely is an everyday player, no question. You're talking essentially a league average hitter with above average defensive contribution that makes for an above average major league player. Um, the Jose Peraza from this season uh, is probably a utility guy. Um, and, you know, that's going to be the question is, is what does he do for the last however many games of this year? And then what happens with him next year? And then we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll see. But Jose Peraza is also still significantly younger than everybody that everyone wants to play over Jose Peraza. Like for a long time, it was Jose Iglesias. But Peraza's career offensive stats look a whole lot like Jose Iglesias's career offensive stats. And Jose Iglesias has kind of returned to earth and is doing what you expect of him to do offensively. So I don't know. I mean, you know, if the Reds can go out and, you know, get what, like, Glebar Torres from the Yankees. I saw some Yankees fans suggest that the Reds, because Glebar Torres apparently is a problem child, ha ha ha, that the Reds should just trade Tanner Roark for Roark for for Glebar Torres. All right, <laughs> yeah, please, <laughs> we'll do that right now. And in that case, yeah, sure. But I mean, who do you got is really the question, and nobody else right now. So why not 
look at the guy who might develop into something as opposed to the guys who you're waiting to see when the wheels fall off because they're, you know. Yeah, you know what they are. Yeah. You know, with with Peraza, you start to look at his numbers versus Iglesias, and they're, they're tightening. They're getting a lot closer by the yeah. day. Uh, now, certainly, Iglesias is a much, much better glove guy. Not that Peraza's bad, but Iglesias is legit. I mean, that, that guy can play. Yeah, he can no, play for sure. sure. Uh, that's, again, that's not a criticism of Peraza to say he's not as good as Jose Iglesias. But right. I want to I kind of quibble a little bit with the way uh, Joe a- asked this question. When can we admit he's a stopgap utility guy and not a contributor on a contending Reds team? I think that, I've been saying it for a while, I think he serves the Reds best as a utility guy, and I think as a utility guy can be a contributor on a contending Reds team. He plays four or five different positions re- reasonably well. Yeah. You know, he's uh, he's athletic. I, you know, I I don't have a problem with him as a utility guy. Uh, and I think, again, I've got less of a bias against the term utility guy than a lot of people. I'll also yeah, say this. Same way. I, though I think that, I personally think that sort of in the, in the more traditional utility utility guy role, I think somebody like Dietrich is a better fit yeah, there just because. Definitely, yeah. Because he's, you know, Jose Peraza loses a lot of his value if he's in, say, left field. A lot of his value is defensively, whereas Dietrich's value is almost exclusively comes with his back. Right. He's not going to be good at any defensive position. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'll say this about Peraza. I do think that it was an interesting point that our buddy Chris Garber made. Chris Garber, the author of uh, the fabulous book, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, he said, you know, you got to think about Peraza. He's still young, no question, you know, and, and no, not time to give up on him. But two of the last three years, he's had a starting position handed to him. And uh, he got outplayed by a you know a veteran, essentially, with uh, Scooter Jeanette and then uh, Iglesias and then Dietrich. I mean, uh, you know, uh, it's true. At some point, he has to grab the the brass ring and really hold on to the position. He's not done that yet. Uh, but I'm not anywhere near. Uh, I, I would. I... Yeah, you know what's interesting to me about that though is that we say that it's been handed to him, but. I mean, if you if you know anything about who Jose Peraza is as a player, you can't be that surprised when he slumps. He is who he is. Right. And Contact so guy. if it's really his position, why is it possible for him to lose it after six weeks? Because you're asking questions I don't know the answer to. Nathan Sturworth asks at Patreon, do you both think the Reds are behind other MLB teams when it comes to signing and developing the most talented international players? The three Cuban prospects they signed a few years ago is an example of the Reds failing at this. Uh, Alfredo Rodriguez, Jose Garcia, and Vladimir Gutierrez do not appear close to making the Major League Club, and they all have been in the system a few years. Princess Chad, you pronounced Sturworth correctly last time. Excellent! Um, you know, I, I know the Reds over the last couple years have been very vocal about spending more money and trying to beef up their international uh, scouting department. And I think they would admit that they're behind, they have been behind other teams. You mentioned the three Cuban prospects they signed that uh, didn't do too well, but the Reds have signed a couple of Cubans who have, has any team signed two Cuban prospects that have been better for their team than the Reds had with, uh, with Chapman and, uh, and Rosella Glacius, you know, I mean, so it's not all bad. And it's, it's also worth noting that, that people thought that Gutierrez was, was going to be ready this year. And uh, or close to it, and the wheels kind of fell off. Yeah. Um, and they don't know what, you know, it's one of those, like, what what happened? Where is the pitcher that we thought we had? 
Um, like the strikeouts were way down this year. The walks were up. The home runs were up. And, and I mean, I was one of the starts in Louisville, and it wasn't pretty. And it was one of those it did not does not compute kind of thing. So we may not have seen the last of him. I don't think so. I think he was like the number four international prospect, you know, and he's just still just 23. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'm not uh, ready to give up on him yet, but I, I do think that the Reds would admit that they're behind many other major league teams. It, maybe not all. Yeah. Um, woo the Reds. Woo the Reds asks at Patreon. You know Woo, don't you? I do. Woo is an instigator on Twitter. Do you agree with that? I, I would say that, that that person is an instigator, yes. I listen to him. Sometimes he appears on the uh, on Coop's Hunt for Reds October podcast, and he's a, a thoughtful analyst. But uh, uh, sometimes on Twitter he's an instigator. And I, I think he's trying to be an instigator with this question here tonight as well, is the reason I say that. Why does Wick hate Joey Votto so much? Hash Brown, sorry, not sorry. Of course, he's talking about Wick Terrell, who today slandered Joey Votto on Twitter. I saw this slander. Oh, there you go, right on cue. Um, he basically said uh, Joey Votto can't drop people in anymore, right? Wick Terrell, of course, our buddy who's the uh, the head honcho and chief uh, bottle washer over at uh, redreporter.com, fine site. Uh, he, he said that Joey Votto can't drop people in anymore. Is that basically what he said? No, he's like, I don't understand what this is about. <laughs> he's, he's, Wick is, uh, Wick does not hate Joey Votto. Um, well, he dislikes him quite a bit, but hate's a strong word. He really doesn't like Joey Votto. You and I disagree with him on that, but I think Wick's kind of the same situation. That's what he's like, you know, some things I don't, I'm seeing I don't like, <laughs> but I don't want to give up on Joey Votto. And, and there's reason not to give up on Joey Votto, I think, right? Yeah. That's yeah, what we are. All right, Rich Thompson. Rich Thompson asks at Patreon, Robert Redford in The Natural or Kevin Costner in Bull Durham, which actor looked more like an athlete and a baseball player? Oh, Costner, easily. Easily, not even close, right? Right. I mean, hasn't it been said that Costner could have played, like, college ball if he wanted to? Yeah, I think he was a serious uh, baseball player. I think he and... uh, Who's the guy that played? Uh, Kurt Russell, I think, did play. Maybe did play in the minor leagues. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Co- Costner, uh, I think we go with Costner. Um, Redford, uh, what was the movie where he, the candidate? He looked more like, like a politician, more like Kevin Costner as a politician. I'll give him that. Yeah. In that movie. Um, Rich's second question, on the flip side, who looked the worst as an athlete and a baseball player? Anthony Perkins of Psycho fame in Fear Strikes Out or John Goodman in The Babe? Did you see John Goodman in The Babe? I did see John Goodman in The Babe long ago. <laughs> Listen, I've not seen the other performance that is referenced. It wasn't good, but John Goodman, and, and listen, I'll get behind no one in the line to celebrate John Goodman's acting career. You know, he was uh, yeah. uh, just uh, incredible in The Big Lebowski and uh, uh, what's that movie? Uh, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? I don't get it, Big Dan. Uh, but he was awful in The Babe. He was just ridiculous. Uh, Joe Farfsing had a reply to that in which he said, Wiley Wiggins playing Mitch Kramer in Dazed and Confused. You've seen Dazed and Confused? It's been a long time. Uh, Mitch Kramer plays a a Little League pitcher, and they're waiting for him. The seniors are waiting for him to just bust him up after it's over. But, uh, you know, a thousand points to Joe uh, Farfsing for calling out uh, the Dazed and Confused reference. Um, 
be a lot cooler if you did. All right, all right, all right. I don't know. I can. I don't think I can do it. I've got that ridiculous accent, but I don't think I can do that. Uh, Joseph, not, what's you're that? Not, not smooth enough to do it, Chad. You're just hard. I'm 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 as handsome as Matthew McConaughey, but maybe not as smooth. I think we can agree on that. <laughs> Joseph Prince asks: Are the in-game gambling ads the stupidest innovation to baseball since the DH hash brown listener mail? Joseph won't give up on this listener mail thing. He's he's all in on Jason Lynn's, uh, and that's why we respect him because he deserves the respect. <laughs> are the in-game gambling ads the stupidest innovation to baseball since the DH? I'm going to have to confess I don't know what he's talking about. I don't either. Sorry, Joseph. We love you, buddy. But uh, uh, no is the answer, I guess, because DH is dumb. You disagree with me on that, I know. Thomas Dennis asks, help me understand the David Hernandez situation. What am I missing that that David Bell seems to go to him every night? I'm sure it seems like more than it really is, but I have seen enough. No, I think think Thomas uh, wants to hear what you had to say earlier. He may just be done. He could be. I don't know. I mean... For a while this year, I think he had like one or two bad games, and otherwise he'd been excellent, and then all of a sudden he was not. Yeah, yeah. And that happens with relief pitchers, and sometimes they get better and sometimes they don't. He's 34. Just, you know, now why does David Bell keep going to him? Uh, I, I think, you know, Hernandez was good last year. He's had a good career, and he's pitched in some high-leverage spots. And earlier this year, there was that one game where he came in with bases loaded no outs and got out of it. And I yeah. don't know, you know, maybe David Bell just is like, oh, if I can do that, I, I trust him. And it also maybe I don't trust Jimmy Hergen. I don't trust Matt Bowman. And I don't trust Robert Stevenson. And Amir Garrett's hurt. And Rosella Glacius is on the paternity list. He wasn't at the time, I guess. But yeah. so maybe Hernandez is one of the few. But boy, he never goes to Jared Hughes, it seems like. No, which I don't understand at all. Because Hughes just seems to still be getting results. Like, oh. He has since he joined the Reds. Yeah, I know. Clayton Duncan asks. What are your go-to seats at Great American Ballpark? He has two questions. That's the first of them. And by the way, kudos to Clayton Duncan for using a GIF as his uh, avatar at Patreon of uh, of Forrest Gump waving from his uh, shrimping boat um, to uh, Lieutenant Dan. That's a a good GIF. What are your go-to seats at Great American Ballpark? Uh, I don't know that... I, I don't live there, so I don't... Like... I mean, I, I try to stay on the first base side because that tends to be not in the sun. That's that's the first yeah, that's the first element. You got to yeah. be first base side. You know, I've, I sat in the diamond seats uh, one time. Ooh la la! Well, uh, yeah, Nick Senzel left the tickets for me, um, and those were good seats. But I never actually paid for them. Um, I've, and, I've I've paid my own way to the scout seats once or twice. Those are nice. Yeah, you know we've had a couple of I don't know if you I think you may have joined us, but we've had a couple of uh, Red Leg Nation outings where we were in the uh, just the, just the writers were in the it used to be called the Champions Club. I think it's the Fox Sports Club. Yeah, I was there for that last year. Yeah, yeah. now that's good. Those are good yeah, seats. Nice. Uh, you know, you got your food included and all that. But to me, I just I try to stay on the first base side when I'm buying tickets. You know, I, I love lower level, first base side, halfway up, two thirds of the way up in case it rains or some, you know, sun's usually not too bad yeah. on that side. Those are, that's where I like to go. So, sounds like we're kind of on the same page there, right? Yeah, I think mean, so. All right. How about some, uh, some from twitter.com slash red leg radio? And then we got to get out. So let's just try to rapid fire some of these Twitter rapid, look, fire rapidly, Chattington. Um, Doug Gray, you know this guy, Doug Gray? No. Doug Gray, he's he's been on this podcast before. I know you don't listen to the podcast when you're not on it. 
Why would I? And I know you listen to it over and over and over, the episodes that you are on. Obviously. <laughs> Doug says, please read my actual piece of mail that I'm sending you here so that everyone can view it. Here's my question. What's the most popular way that people view Red Leg Nation Radio? <laughs> you got a, a, a pithy answer here? I mean... I, I think the only viewers in this instance are Chad Chaddington, the Bear, Dotson, and me. Uh, the fact of the matter is, and Jason doesn't know this, but it's kind of been a secret, and people have to kind of ask me, uh, you know, on on the down low, as the kids don't say anymore, but they used to at one time. Um, but for a certain price. Every single episode of Red Leg Nation Radio, I have a I have a camera on me, and you have to pay a certain amount to watch me. Whoa, 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 whoa! Yeah. Off the rails, off <laughs> the rails. And if you pay enough, I don't I don't wear my shirt. Jeff Carr, yes. <laughs> Jeff Carr, host of the uh, Locked On Reds podcast. Jeff Carr asks, who's your favorite filmmaker and what movie made you decide this? So I'm going to take this one. If you have an answer, you can. I know we, you and I have right. talked about movies and uh, you're not as big a movie fan as I am, but you may have an answer to that. My favorite filmmaker, and uh, there are a few that I love, uh, Richard Linklater, the aforementioned uh, Dazed and Confused directors up there, Martin Scorsese, oh my goodness, absolutely up there. My favorite filmmaker is far and away, though, um, Wes Anderson. And the movie that made me decide that was The Royal Tenenbaums, which to this day remains my favorite movie. And every single movie he's made has been just delightful. Wes Anderson is the best director working today. There's a bunch of other good ones. Scorsese's still working. Uh, Damien Chazelle, who did La La Land and First Man, and uh, the jazz movie that I can't think of the name of that was unbelievable. Uh, Damien Chazelle's fantastic. But Wes Anderson, if you haven't watched every Wes Anderson movie, go do it now. What are you waiting on? So you got a favorite filmmaker? You know, you mentioned uh, Richard Linklater, and I might take him. He, I don't know that I've seen anything by him that I didn't like. Oh, he's great. He's great. Yeah. I mean, Days yeah. Confused is great, but he did Boyhood, which was filmed yeah. over, uh, I think, 12 or 13 years. Basically checking in with the, it was the same actor growing from age, uh, he started at, uh, I think, six, and they finished yeah. filming when he was 18. So it's just amazing. Uh he did a baseball movie about college baseball. Uh, gosh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it was so good. He did the Before Midnight, After Midnight, Before Sunset, whatever. That trilogy yeah. is amazing with Ethan Hawke and Julie Delphi. Yeah, I love me some. Uh, I like movies. Yep. Uh, next question is about movies as well. WVU and Reds at David Moore underscore WV asks, uh, David from Best Virginia. I, I, just one time I said it was Best Virginia, and now he's never going to let me forget it. David asks, do you like the Godfather trilogy? If so, which is your favorite? I love the God. Well, no, I love the first two of the Godfather trilogy. Many will say Godfather 2 is a superior movie, but I'm still a sucker for the original Godfather. Uh, Marlon Brando, uh, you know, it's just uh, Pacino. Oh, my goodness, it's just amazing. Of course, De Niro's in the second one, and it's a great one as well, but James Caan, oh, the first one's great. You like the Godfather trilogy, Jason Lindham? I, are you ready for this, Chad? Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. I know what you're going to say. I, I have never seen any of them. 
Jason, you got to see the first two. They're legitimately classics. I know, I know. They're on the list, and it's a glaring omission, and it's we all you know, have those. I like get it. Remind me of I will. This is the all. I know we're trying to rapid fire, but I will tell a quick tangent on the uh, all tangent podcast. Is that when I was in college, um, my favorite professor, I took numerous uh, lit classes from him, got on a tangent one day and told us a story about how. Uh, he and a, and, a, and a few people he know knew would occasionally play this game when they all met up at conferences, which was you had to go around the room and admit to something that you had not read. And again, these are English professors. And whoever came up with the most embarrassing thing they have not read won. And the biggest one ever at the, in, in the group was the, the English professor who admitted to never having read Hamlet. An English professor? Yeah. Well, listen, I can deal with an English professor who hasn't seen The Godfather. Yeah. But not having read Hamlet, that seems like a, a bigger well, omission. There are things that we that we miss from time to time. Well, you know, you got you have your blind spots. Um So, it, but I refuse I refuse to say it's a Godfather trilogy. Let me just add that. It's the because the, the third one it's awful. The third one is is just it's terrible and Sophia Coppola's in it and, and everybody piled on her because she was legitimately awful. She's turned into a fine filmmaker in her own right, but she was an awful actress in that one. I, I shouldn't say that. I, I feel like I'm piling on, but, but anyway, the first two Godfathers are amazing, but the first is my favorite. Uh, David's second question. Do you foresee the Reds being a major player at the trade deadline this year, whether buying or selling or both? I've said that I think it's, uh, you know, uh, no, I don't think they're gonna be a major player. I said, if they do anything, it's going to be, I mean, some mixture of buying and selling, and yeah. I could see him swinging like some huge deal. I could see him doing a blockbuster, but I don't know that I see any real like tiny deals. You know, just dealing away. Yeah, uh, Tanner Roark's maybe the only guy that I could see maybe going. I kind of think it'll be either something pretty crazy or they mostly stand pat. Yeah, I think so. And I don't know how much action we're going to have at the trade deadline, frankly. Well, we're about to find out. Uh, I guess so. Uh, Philip Razor asks. Yippee, yippee, yip, Y-I-P-P-I-E question mark. What does that mean? I never try to interpret Phil. Phil Razor. He just wants to get, he wants to hear his name. Philip Razor with two L's, everybody. Oh, Philip. Two L's? That's what he always says. I don't know about that, but uh, he's he's a character. That's two. He uh, exists. He does exist in this world, and we're luckier for it. Kyle Kapler asks at Team Captain 08, Hoagie, Euro, or Sub? What do you think? I mean, I like we're defining these as separate types of sandwich, correct? <laughs> Evidently. Well, then it's Hero, no question. Uh, I'm going to say pizza. You like it a juice uh, with your uh, hero? You like it a juice? If you want to go, listen. The the, the there's so many problems here. The if you were going to go the pizza route, then it would have to be a calzone to fit within the category. Yeah, but pizza superior to all of those. I mean, probably it depends on your mood. Um. You know, I think you're probably right about that. I eat more subs than any of them. But uh, I think that you're probably right. 
I like a calzone. I love me a good calzone. Yeah. How about There's this? A, this question know, wasn't asked, but I want to know your opinion on it. Uh, New York style pizza or Chicago style deep dish pizza? Yes. <laughs> That's your answer? Uh, I don't get legit good Chicago pizza nearly often enough, so I'll take that. I can, where I live, I can get good New York style pizza. Um, but yeah, it depends. Yeah, love them both. Absolutely adore them both. I think if you get good uh, deep dish pizza, it's uh, an experience unlike anything else. So I probably give that the slight edge. But uh, Brian Bout Bout Bouty B A U T E. I'm sorry, Brian. I just uh, you're a dedicated uh, viewer, but I, I just butchered your name probably. Why do the Reds hate us so much? Hash Brown viewer mail. Why do the Reds hate us so much? I don't know. I... They've given us a lot of headaches, haven't they? They have given us many, many, many headaches. Uh, my answer to that is the Reds do hate you um, because you're not a good person, but Red Leg Nation Radio loves you. Yeah. So there you go. John Sheary at the Dirty Dirty 84. That's, you know, I tried to get that Twitter handle and it was already taken. Well, at the Dirty Dirty 84. Why haven't the Reds called up Brian O'Grady yet from AAA? Well, he's killing the ball at AAA, but where are you going to play him? I mean, who do you play? I mean, who do you play him over it right now? I mean, talk about utility players. Yeah, I mean, he can play anywhere in the outfields. He can play first base. Um, he came up as a center fielder, but he's mostly been playing first for Louisville. Weirdly, um, I think you could put him just about almost anywhere. So I, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, where you, who? The question really is, who are you cutting to bring him up? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, we're, I, I, I don't have a problem. He's, he is mashing the ball. Yeah. You, your outfielders right now are Puig, Winker, Sinzel, and uh, uh, Irvin. So it would be and Irvin going down. It would have to be. Dietrich, I guess, and is your it, fifth outfielder. Yeah. So, uh, And the roster is at 40 now, so somebody would have to come off the, the roster for him to be added to the roster. I don't think he's on the 40, man. It does beg the question, what, what does Brian O'Grady have to do to earn a – He's kind of gone the Josh Van Meter route by just pounding the ball down there, and the, the Reds yeah. notice with Van Meter, maybe because he's an infielder. And uh, O'Grady hasn't gotten that chance yet. Yeah. Jordan Biddle at JBids37 asks, I would personally like to see Tyler Malley in the bullpen when Alex Wood comes back. What do you think about that? Just like... Yeah, I don't, I don't, think, I, I don't think I'm signing up to that. I want, and the reason why for me... And you can tell me whether this is your your same reason. Twenty four. That's Tyler Malley's age. He's going to be in the rotation for a while. Yeah. Let him work through his issues. He's a young pitcher, and he's been fine. Yeah. Been up and down a little bit, but his overall numbers are quite good. Like I, I, yeah. he's been roughly league average as a twenty four year old. He's going to get it. I, I'm not worried about Tyler Malley. Um, I, I, you know, if anybody goes to the pen, it's got to be De Sclafani. I think what happens is initially Alex Wood goes to the pen. Yeah, that's what I think too. Yeah, he pitched out of the pen for uh, for LA some. I don't know what he thought about that, but um, but now if Alex Wood is healthy and stretched out, Alex Wood's better than some of these pitchers. <laughs> Alex Wood has to be in the starting rotation. I mean, he's got the talent. Yeah, but it also kind of depends, right? I mean, like we're getting to the point now in the season where if the Reds are significantly out of contention and Alex Wood comes back, what are we going to? I mean, 
you know, you, Tyler Malley shouldn't be losing innings to Alex Wood, and neither should Anthony DiSclefani. They're both under team control next year. Right. Right. Yeah, that's true, I guess. That's true. But, if you, yeah, if you're trying to win games, you, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, you're right, Jason, as usual. All right, well, we were supposed to be doing rapid fire, and we really haven't been rapid firing these. Mr. Redlegs at Redleg underscore Nation. I don't know about that, but... He asked a question. I don't know if it's a viewer mail question or not, or maybe it's just somebody, just some guy asking us. But how often do you do your podcast? I'll t- I'll take this one, Jason. Okay. Every Friday it's posted, and we do at least one a month for Patreon subscribers as well, an extra podcast. But every single week, every Friday, you have access to our podcast. Andrew Motes at Andrew Motes Two asks, "What's your, what are your thoughts on playing Sinzel at second base? Some." I'd like to see Irvin, Winker, Puig, and Sinzel all in the lineup. We drastically need an offensive shakeup. Also, moving Votto down in the order? Question mark. What are your thoughts oh, on playing Sinzel at second base? Zone? Uh there is no scenario that doesn't involve injuries where it makes sense to have Winker and Irvin in the lineup on the same day. They are tonight. Well, that doesn't involve injuries. Who's injured? Senzel. Ah, get out of here. Senzel's not injured. He's malingering. He's he's dinged up. <laughs> he yeah, is, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I get where they're coming from, but, man. Well, I'm all in on players being versatile. And so it, it doesn't hurt my feelings. I think Senzel could play second base. He's been playing it you know, for a long time. He's been playing infield for a long time. I think should be the starting second baseman next season. Yeah, me too. Um, I think if there's if we're having a – if we're adding a different everyday outfielder – to the equation, and I have come around on this person in a way that I was not. Uh, it is not Philip Irvin. It is uh, Aristides Aquino. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm okay with that. Destroying the ball in AAA. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. I want to see the Reds go out and use some of this money that's coming off. The, I want them to sign Puig to eliminate right field, and then I want to see them yeah. use a chunk of money to get either a second baseman or a center fielder. Oh, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I was just talking about, like, in the moment, like, for this season. Yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, well, absolutely, yeah, he's killing the ball. If we're talking about next season, oh, no, 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 you find, you, unless you really are sold on Aquino, you go sign somebody. Yeah, uh, improving the Reds in two moves for next season. To me, and maybe I'm being simplistic here, but sign Yasiel Puig and go spend some money on either a second baseman, the best second baseman or center fielder you can find. And play Sinzel at the other place. Yep. All right. I don't like when we agree. There's not anything to talk about. Chris Cotman, or Chris C. at Cotman26, is a significant part of the Reds' offensive decline related to them seeing better bullpen arms because the games have mostly been close. Could the same be true for starters? Did teams shuffle their rotations to use their better pitchers against teams in the race? I'm not sure I understand that last question. Um... You know, I don't, I don't know what the reason is for the Reds' offensive decline. Um, I guess, I guess I could see a part of it being that the games have been closed, so they're seeing better bullpen arms. That's not unreasonable. Significant part, I don't know. I, I, I don't have a whole lot of answers about why this team has not hit like the back of their baseball card said they were going to hit. It's strange. It's very so weird. Very bizarre. Um, yeah, I don't know that we have a good answer for that one, uh, Chris. Flick, at Mike Flick, asks, of all the planets the Area 51 residents have visited, where do you think they rate Earth? I would say Earth is, uh, 
we'd have to know how many planets the Area 51 residents have visited. But yeah. um, whatever that number is, Earth is dead last. I mean, we might be above, like, I don't know, Uranus. some Uranus. icy rock, maybe. I thought you were going to say Uranus. It's pronounced Uranus. Oh, sorry. Chadwick, <laughs> get your head out of your... Ooh, this is the best seventh grade podcast ever. Did you see what I did? There? Did you see what I, did? <laughs> I did. It I... was gold, and you just let it slip right by. I did. I did. I stepped right on it. Uh, Mike's uh, follow-up. Oh my gosh, we got to get out. This is, uh, we're losing it here. Uh, the world's most dangerous seventh grade podcast. Have they seen a six, have those, those, uh, area 51 residents, have they seen a 16 seed beat a one seed in Martian madness? It's like he's making fun of my Virginia Cavaliers. It's like he is. Hmm. I don't approve of that, Mike. Mike is banned. Mike is banned. All right, last question. Last question, just because I like this one. From, uh, we mentioned him earlier, Obscure X Reds on Twitter, at Obscure X Reds. Besides Luis Alberto Bonilla, who are your favorite obscure former Reds? I think we actually, I think we, D'Angelo Jimenez, is he obscure enough? Yeah, we, you we, know who one of my favorite obscure former Reds is? Let's hear it. Tony Fernandez. Ah, a fine career Tony Fernandez had, but not in Cincinnati. He had a good year with the Reds, just yeah. only a year. One year. I'm not sure he's obscure enough. Um, I, I, I enjoyed Jeff Branson. He wasn't obscure. He was a, well, how obscure does one have to be? I dropped Xavier Paul earlier today. <laughs> There's only one answer to this question, Jason. What is it, Chaddington? Ryan LaVarnway. Oh, yes. <laughs> Mr. LaVarnway. Uh, I, I like a lot of obscure former Reds, but we're going to go to LaVarnway. Uh, last question, also from obscure former Reds. Will Tanner Roark and Alex Wood appear on the same 25-man roster this year? Ooh. It's a good question. That's, that's the reason I, I, I saw it, and I, I thought we were done, and I said, no, I want to answer that one. Because I don't know the answer. Yeah. I think they will. I think if anyone well, is likely to get traded at the trade deadline, it's going to be Tanner Roark. He's the most likely to get traded. Yeah. But I, either Alex Wood's going to come back on you know Ju- July 29th before he gets traded, or he doesn't get traded, in which case they will. Yeah, what, we'll, what, we'll, that's an interesting one. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. Go ahead and make a declaration there. Yes or no? Uh-huh. I'll say yes. I'm with you. All right. Well, wow. Uh, I didn't realize what time it was. Jason, we didn't rapid fire those last questions at all. We did not. <laughs> Yikes. This has been episode number 277 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast, Red Lake Nation Radio. I'm not going to tell you where you can subscribe. You all already know that. If you haven't figured it out by now, go figure it out. Uh, a bunch of you, I was going to mention it. A couple weeks ago, we had that ridiculous one-star review for the guy that couldn't figure out this wasn't the Locked on Reds podcast. And uh, I asked a bunch of you to go and leave five-star reviews, and you all left some great ones. Thank you so much. If you want to do that again, I'm going to try to have a segment where we read some of the better of these five-star reviews you guys left at iTunes, Apple Podcasts. There were some funny ones. Um, He's Jason Lennon, at Jason Lennon on Twitter. I'm at Dotson C. Uh, I'm on Twitter sometimes now. I'll probably download it again at some point. I'm uh, uh, I'm still there, though. I check uh, at least once a day. Uh, Twitter. 
uh, or at Red Leg Radio, and then at RedLegNation.com every uh, every day since 2005. All yeah, you know, whatever you've heard all this before. Patreon.com, go become a supporter. Love you guys, all of our patrons. Jason, any final thoughts? Go Reds, as always. Please, please go. Like starting now. Yeah. Uh, all right, for Jason Linden and Ryan Lavarnway, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.